0: Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And I realize now we don't know, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to ask you. I just have dots.
1: <laughs> and what are those called? Ellipses? Ellipses, yeah. It's a, and today oh, we're talking about talking ellipses. About,
0: ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do I sum up what we're talking about? <laughs> All I have is parenting and playing. Oh my gosh. Proper. <laughs> how about. Today we're
1: talking about proper parenting play, or proper play for parents.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, um... play,
1: playful parenting. Playful parenting. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's I'm just start saying keywords. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Peppy poppy parenting playing. <laughs>
0: I can't even I can't even join in now cuz my brain is absolute mush. That's amazing.
1: Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 67. Hi, I'm Michelle and I'm Lindsay and today we are talking about playful parenting ask any parent and they will tell you, I don't know where they get the energy. Kids are wonderfully busy and imaginative and curious and energetic. It can be hard, if not near impossible, to keep up. But maybe we, the parents, aren't always supposed to be able to keep up,
0: or have to. Let's discuss. But first, if you enjoy this episode of the Modern Lady Podcast, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your review can help our little podcast stand out so that others may find us too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes out to Grace Johnston, who took to our Facebook page after listening to
1: last week's episode on beauty in ordinary life and commented, quote, just now getting around to listening to this week's podcast. Thank you so much, ladies, for talking about beauty. I agree that women are wired to create loveliness. Adding to your images of beauty, I love seeing laundry on a clothesline or vintage linens and tea towels blowing in the breeze in the backyard. And yes, I do envision myself as a 50s housewife bringing in the laundry when I pull things off the line to bring in." Thank you so much for your comment, Grace. We're so glad that we're not the only ones who have these grand stories playing out in our heads in their day-to-day life. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady
0: Tip of the Week. Like many of you, I've lost track of how long we've been quarantined. And it's got me thinking about how families are managing to get their kids out into the fresh air, especially when mom or dad just can't even do another day of drawing on the sidewalks. Or what about families that live in apartment buildings? In the late 1800s, Dr. Luther Emmett wrote a popular parenting book and he recommended airing out children in an effort to renew and purify the blood, suggesting that time out in fresh air can help fend off germs and illnesses. Not bad advice, right? So why did it take so long for someone to invent something as as ingenious, as inventive, as crazy as baby cages? Invented (laughs) in 1922 and popular through the 1930s, parents in New York City and the then smog-filled London, England attached cages to their apartment windows and placed their sweet babies inside the cages, often hanging several um, stories over busy streets. It is said that even Eleanor Roosevelt was a fan, creating her own out of chicken coop wire before there were models available to purchase, such as the Boggins open-air sleeping compartment, which had an insulated roof which kept the baby cool in order to build up cold weather tolerance. We don't know exactly when parents decided that hanging cages over busy streets wasn't really the best idea, but they did disappear rather suddenly from the scene, lasting not even 20 years. You can find something similar now, though, but in 2020, you'll find cats keeping cool in apartment window cages. Cool cats.
1: <laughs> cool cats. Oh my gosh. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> so my first thought is... Uh-huh. I was thinking when you're talking about airing the children. Yeah. I was feeling quite <laughs> smug.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because...
1: I've always talked like that. Like, even Mm -hmm. like, I have to go air the children. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll go for our walks. Right. And I was like, haha, look at me. I'm already up on the tip today. (laughs) Yeah. And then I heard (laughs) about the cages. And I was (laughs) like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Can't follow you there. Can't follow you there. Right. And then you ended perfectly on cool cats. And I was like, how did we get to this point? So. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I don't know how many more weeks we're going to need of quarantine until those... <laughs>
0: <laughs> until the cages <laughs> come back.
1: <laughs> For me, though. It's yes. like, can I crawl into a cage outside the window and just lock yes. myself in?
0: <laughs> when I was growing up, my mom would open the back door, push us outside and say, get outside and get the stink blown off. Yeah. So that's oh. what airing the children out meant in my house.
1: <laughs> Either way, fresh air is good. Just... um perhaps not within the confines of chicken wire. That's correct. (laughs) Playing with your child is not play unless you're both having fun. So reads the tagline of an article from Psychology Today entitled, Playing with children? Should I? And if so, how? We see today two really conflicting trains of thought within our own minds that feels on the one hand that we should be constantly playing with our kids and keeping them busy, but also that sometimes we may not always want to. (laughs) Right, Lindsay?
0: Right. The idea of playing with our children is a recent development, and it's mostly a Western idea. The reality mm-hmm. is there used to be children home all day everywhere, right? Unless you were quite rural. And even in those circumstances, and you and I have touched on this before with the ar- um, agricultural setup of the family, mm-hmm. most families had a lot of kids. And then the cousins lived right there. And and, and it was just this large community. And that's just not the case anymore. So with most moms working during the day and kids being in daycares where they are socializing with each other within a very mm-hmm. small age group, um, mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing, you know, with different ages playing together. For the most part, mm-hmm. if you're the mom at home with kids, um, you might only have two kids and those might be the only two kids around on your block during the day.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And it's really difficult because like children play differently than grown-ups right and if there were other kids around and more readily accessible and available to play with they probably wouldn't choose to play (laughs) with a (laughs) grown-up and it's really interesting this article really goes through from a kid's perspective what both parties are kind of thinking when this scenario comes up right and it kind of spells out why would a child choose to play with a, you know, quote, a boring old grown-up? Yeah. <laughs> right. And one of the things they said uh, you know, sometimes it's just because they, you know, in the name of child led play, we can take it too far and they kind of have this sense of being able to control mom or dad mm-hmm. for the playtime. And that's the catch. So it's um it may not even be play. At all, necessarily, whereas if they were playing with other uh, kids in their peer group, the play is very different. The dynamic is very different. Uh, You don't always get your way when you're playing in a group of kids. If a kid doesn't like what you're saying, they might just up and quit and walk away. And that teaches a whole new dynamic. So, you know, when it comes to us feeling like we need to play with our kids, um, there must be something else going on there.
0: Yeah, I feel like we've started scheduling it in, right? I mean, so Mm -hmm. many parents are like, okay, um, we'll do if you do your daily routine, they'll be like from 10 to 11 playtime and from two to three playtime. And the moms schedule themselves into that too. It just becomes another duty. Like what you're Mm -hmm. saying, like it's not both people playing because it isn't necessarily enjoyable for the parent as well. And that's okay. Like what we're saying is it's okay if the parent wants to enjoy the playtime. And if the parent Mm -hmm. is not, that isn't doesn't turn out being as pleasant for the child too, because they know when the parents almost falling asleep or you know not really engaged and so the truth is like what we're saying and science proves this children make better playmates with other children Mm -hmm. now obviously and this should go without saying that we understand some of you have one child right and that you, there is nobody else for that child to play with during the day. Sometimes it's even hard with two children. You and I each have four children. So we are coming at it from that perspective where we can go, okay, bye kids. And we shut a door and force them down <laughs> into the basement. And there are four kids there of all different ages mm-hmm. that are forced to play together. And so it's a little easier for us. So I think when I reflect over my 13 years of parenting, I can see different stages where I did do more hands-on play. And I actually talked with my kids about this before we started recording. And Mm -hmm. I asked them if they think that part of a parent's job is to play with kids. They all said yes. (laughs) And I'm like... Oh. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> you guys, we did so we talked it out and I explained, especially with my oldest, that I was able to sit down and play with her on the floor. And, mm-hmm. and I was able, even with my second, you know, I had a girl and then a boy. You had a girl and twin boys. So a little different right. in your situation. <laughs> we, yeah, we can crazy. get to that in a second. Um, but, you know, I had my, my daughter and then my son and they were about 21 months apart. And so I was able to play dolls and then sit down and play Thomas the Train. But you guys, that was like 11 years ago. I was a lot younger mm. and it was a lot easier even just physically to sit on the floor. I had more um, energy. And anyways, I had a, a, a third and a fourth child. And that woman, that woman just can't sit and play like I used to. And so I think that what we want to address in this episode are those feelings that of guilt. That we have about mm-hmm. that and we want to tell you that it's perfectly fine if you're not the mom who is a wants to sit and play or enjoys sitting and playing or has the time to sit and play in this season in your life
1: mm-hmm. and you know what like we talked about how um kids may see parents playing and it may not always be a, a necessarily positive or enthusiastic thing mm-hmm. um i am actually guilty of like being tempted towards parent-dominating play. Like if I sit down and uh, I have two words for you, Lego kits, right? (laughs) And my kids are still very young. And so up until very recently, watching them try to figure out a specific Lego kit where they actually have to build something with instructions. It was really tempting for me to just jump in and take over, right? And and this, this happens a lot as well. And then all of a sudden the you know, the duty, the feelings of duty and obligation might actually be on the part of the child who isn't having fun anymore. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But they feel like they don't want to hurt your feelings. And they don't feel like they want to walk away. And once again, it's not play, right? So it's, there is a way to um, interact uh, playfully
0: with our children. And we'll talk more about this in the episode. Mm-hmm. You're right. And what you're describing is our is our situation with board games right now. So our kids are a little into it. Mm. My husband is very into it. And so <laughs> as they're getting older, he's been buying all these games and he sets them down. And these are like complicated multi-hour games. And the kids are burned out in the first half hour, right? And mm-hmm. he's like, and he's trying mm. to be good about it. But you can tell when it's crossed that line of they're just sitting there to please dad and they're not enjoying it either. So I think you're absolutely right that. When we really talk about real play, it means that both parties involved are enjoying themselves. And Mm. yes, of course, you and I talk all the time about having to do things that we don't want to do. And it's an act of the will that happens too. But Mm -hmm. we really want to get back into this idea of how as parents, as busy parents, this is just one of our roles. And we have a lot of other things to do in our houses. And so you have to decide kind of on a daily basis what you can stand, what your stress level can handle that day. And Michelle, you said it perfectly earlier, what hill you want to die on. Yes.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know what? It does, come, it does come down to sometimes play and what is going to make more work for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I use the example of just yesterday. Um, I needed to get a few things done in the house. And I really it was a beautiful day outside. I needed to find a way to entice them. Out of doors into our yard yeah. um, just for a little bit. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if I give them a bucket of water, I know that they'll find tons of things to do. They'll have a blast out there. Mm-hmm. But I was also thinking in my head, but then they're going to get wet and then they're going to be dirty. And I don't know if I want to deal with that. And so then yeah. I had to stop and ask myself, right? Like, well, what hill do I really want to die on here today? And for that day, It was, you know what, I really need a a few minutes here. So I gave them the bucket of water. It might change day to day, but yeah, just this knowing of... Like um, I can make concessions and it really is up to me. It is, it's up to you as the parent. It's whatever is going to work and fit for you and for the kids and for the situation and the day at hand. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that we're in a unique situation right now with us being in quarantine that a lot of parents who are used to being at a, a job outside of the home
1: and are used mm-hmm. to having a
0: boss, right? Kind of looking over them and monitoring their day and kind of scheduling their day for them. They don't have anybody doing that for them now. And this is the first time where they have to realize they are in control of their day. You get to say what goes on in your home that day. And we all know how huge our to-do lists are, right? And so Mm. I'm bringing this up right now because for me, the thing that keeps me, I won't say peaceful, but I'll say less stressed. I think those are two different Mm. things. (laughs) (laughs) is having um, a tidy home, right? I talk about this right. all the time. And the number one thing I get asked on my social media is where the heck are your kids when you're cleaning your kitchen for five hours? Mm-hmm. And when I step back and, and I'm a very self-aware, cause I've been considering these things for many, many years. Um, when I step back and look at my day and as you're saying, what hell do I want to die on? I'm more than willing to let the kids be playing somewhere else in the house, making a big mess, having fun, or some days just playing Minecraft or video games while I clean. Because when at the end of my day, I get the most peace from having a tidy house where it can be tidy that day. And so Mm. that means that that I'm more than willing to let different kinds of play and different things happening in different areas of my house. And it also means that I'm okay saying, Hey guys, I'm not playing with you today. Nope. That's not part Mm -hmm. of my job today. I'm going to clean my house because I have to fall into bed every night feeling like, I've taken care of my family and myself the best that I can do. And that's going to look different for each one of us. And so Mm -hmm. that really, so when people ask me, like, where are your kids? I think in the parenthesis, it's why aren't you playing with them? And Mm. it's like, you guys, I've been doing this for 13 years now. And I've taught my kids over the years how to play on their own, how to develop those skills. That doesn't just happen. We say that Mm. all the time on this podcast, these things Don't just happen. You have to um, teach your children how to play on their own. But Mm -hmm. what you and I also talk about is something that your mom always said. Do you want to share with everybody what your mom said? I was going to
1: say, because as you're talking about having to strike that balance between what's going to give you less stress yeah. maybe not peace (laughs) i really love that um and and also forming relationships with your kids right because we aren't we're also not advocating coldness obviously Mm -hmm. either yes right but if you can strike that balance and for everyone it's going to look different but for you if you can figure it out what it's going to allow you to do is to be playful with them always Mm -hmm right? So even if you're not playing with your kids, you don't necessarily have to do that. Like, I don't remember my mom ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) sitting and playing with me with my toys, for example. But she was always, you know, making up little ditties and singing songs, showing us cool stuff she came across. Like, I never felt like my mom didn't want me around. But I truly don't remember, you know, playing dress up with her, for example.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and believe me, I dressed up a lot. That was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> we believe you. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, on that note, I do remember her, though, doing silly things like grabbing an article of dress up clothes yeah. if I was walking by and funnily modeling it you know, for a laugh. Yep. But then after 30 seconds, when the moment passed, she'd toss it back to us and say, OK, good. now go play again. Yes. You know, and it was always playful. There was always smiling and joking and comments, always welcome to stand with her and, uh, you know, to converse with her, ask her questions or sit in her company even but it was not really an expectation that we were raised with and that's what you were saying too it, it will take persistence to teach how things are going to be that's right in your house um but once we caught on and, and it was uh you know i don't remember it being painful as a child myself and so it is possible to be playful and not necessarily always have to be playing
0: what you're saying and what i have believed since the minute I had my children is that it's all about relationship forming. It all mm-hmm. of that's the end of all of my duties, all of my day, all of my intentions, the end is that I have a solid relationship with my kids. And the way I do that and this might be controversial honestly to some of you because it is um how I raised my kids since I was, they were babies, but I'm going to share it anyways is that I have been an attachment parent since the kids, the the day my kids were born. So I'm Mm. one of those typical and be ready to roll your eyes. But I was a a bed sharing, baby wearing, exclusive breastfeeding, um, you know, all those those attachment parenting things. Um, Mm. We didn't have babysitters, so I never left. Um, I've been with my kids pretty much 24-7 since the day they were born. But I'm saying this and it's very important that you understand what I'm saying with this. I believe that by me um, going to my kids every single time they cried, the smallest cry, I would go to them. But what I did is I established a relationship in those early years that I believe left an imprint on them. And then Mm -hmm. as they grew to be a little bit older, and then they developed their ability to communicate and started to learn how to be rational. I'm talking around three, four, five, I started to detach from my kids. And as Mm -hmm. I'm detaching though, I start to form a new relationship with them. So there were these er, very, very early years of the way their brains and their hearts and their bodies were formed that I was, mama was there. I was always there. And then Mm -hmm. I started to pull away and then it became a new form of relationship. And this is why when I'm not hands on with my kids all the time, we have this incredibly tight relationship. They know Mm. I'm there because I've always been there. I've put in that work. I I laid those those roots down deep. And so Mm. I don't need to be with them all the time right now, you know, holding their hands through everything because they know I'm here the minute that they do need me. Yeah, this
1: is so important. You're right. And I remember something my dad has always said too, and this has been a great comfort to me as I'm parenting as well. And it could be a great comfort to all of us who are quarantining with our kids right now, too, is he told me that quantity time is actually greater than quality time. Mm. If you had to pick one, if you had to pick one over the other, the amount of time that you spend with them, no matter what you're doing yeah, and in that moment, will probably have a greater, more positive impact than a very small, um, even sometimes forced, it could be quality time. Yeah, right. And so that's a great comfort, though, to me, (laughs) because it it does kind of, um, you know, ease your mind a little bit that company keeping is valuable and necessary. So like, I used to think I needed to let my young children just have at it in my kitchen. You know, right. otherwise they'll never learn to cook. <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, when I think back again, um, back to my own childhood, you know, my mom actually never really let us just find our own way around her kitchen. Yeah. I was always encouraged and invited to join her and watch and assist her in the kitchen. Um, and then as I grew to the next stages of maturity, my roles would increase <laughs> in the kitchen with her. But what I did learn from that time... Uh, you know, even if it wasn't physical cooking necessarily, was that my mom loved me. She valued my company and my conversation. And this actually gave me great confidence and fostered a huge sense of belonging in my family that carried me through, I I honestly can say, through my teen years, that I was way more interested as a teenager in being around my family than I was concerned about being out and about with um, friends or at parties or anything like that I was curious about those things but because my sense of being a part of our family's culture was very strong um, you know that that really lingered with me and has stayed with me even into adulthood and uh, you know and it was never about my parents having to cater to me and my entertainment Which is very interesting. It's just a very interesting observation from someone who's lived that. And it can be a great comfort to us as parents now
0: ourselves. And I think you just made a great point about they didn't cater to you, but they cared for you. Like, Oh, yes. They're two different things. And so we don't have to spoil our children by being with them every second and providing everything like what you're saying. I didn't bake with my mom in the kitchen. And you and I were talking about this um, earlier. My mom... Um, was a big cleaner, right? She loved cleaning her house, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a lot of cooking or baking going on in my house at all. And I, and so you and I were talking earlier about how we feel like there's this thing where if we're not making every moment into a teachable yet playful moment, like learning and memory play. Yeah, yeah right. Like, mm. okay, let's playfully make the beds and fold the laundry and give them things to cut up, which I did this week with one of my kids, but certainly did not put what she cut up into our family meal that night. Um But <laughs> if we feel like this this heavy weight of making every moment a teachable yet playful moment. And I think what you and I want to say right now is that our parents didn't do that with us. And you know what? We still know how to make beds. I know how to fold laundry i've taught myself how to bake over the last couple of years but here's the thing i'm really close with my mom and like what you're saying you're really close with your family i'm close with my dad Mm. too but in a way with my mom where my mom said follow me And I've said this before in other episodes, that was what every time I tried to say something to my mom while she was cleaning or busy, she always said, follow me, follow me. She Mm -hmm. always had the laundry basket on her hip, always had a dishcloth in her hand and was always running through her house, very busy. Um, And I just had to keep up with her. But guess what? We have a great relationship. And we do. We talk like... 20 times a day. So Mm -hmm. if you're that mom right now having to say, just follow me, follow me, keeping the kids with you, you're definitely engaging with them still. It's maybe not what you think you have to do, but we just want to let you know that it's going to be okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I credit my knowledge of great TV shows such as Murder She Wrote and mm-hmm. The Golden Girls mm-hmm. from all the years that my mom watched her TV shows. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> while she's cross stitching or knitting or doing her handicrafts.
0: And we played in the room, <laughs> right? Yes. But she was yep. watching her show. You're giving me so many memories right now as we're talking, because I'm actually reflecting back on time spent with my grandparents too, and Mm. how I just remember standing with my grandpa in his garage. He was a very, he was a tinkerer, tinkerer, (laughs) always (laughs) building something, always fixing something, always in his garage. And obviously I wasn't going to fix something with my grandpa, but I just stood there with him. Mm. And if I reflect back over all of my memories, my very precious memories with my grandparents and with my parents, it wasn't that playtime, it wasn't really you know the time where they set aside and thought okay this is it we're going to play a board game it was the time where I was just in their presence and I could feel their love just being alongside mm-hmm. them and I'm mm-hmm. thinking about this I think this is one of the things I really miss about hand washing dishes I'm a big believer in hand washing dishes I love it But with my new single sink, I have the one big giant sink. It's very, very Mm -hmm. hard to hand wash dishes when you don't have that second sink. And so we have to use the dishwasher all the time. But I've been a long-time believer in standing beside somebody and drying and talking quietly as you wash dishes.
1: And Mm -hmm. I
0: just... Remember observing that with my parents and being in the kitchen or as I got older, being able to do that alongside my parents. And those are the memories as a grown up now that I to look back on and I truly felt the closest with my parents.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know what? That is actually probably a really seamless no pressure way of teaching them the tasks Mm -hmm. right because you're not necessarily having to make it into a lesson in and of itself but it's very it's so much easier to say I can see Um, you know if someone has been standing with you for so many years observing you yeah then you kind of it's almost like a rite of passage you know for the adults then to turn to the child and say you know what why don't you do it this time yeah you know why don't you put this in this time and and then the sense of like oh my gosh pride and um you know gr- being a grown up and being a you know brought into this world is huge for kids but it happened really organically and really naturally and so a- as an educational thing even as well i can see it being a
0: really painless experience mm-hmm. There are ways that you play with your kids and ways that we do play with our kids um, that go beyond Mm -hmm. us just being playful. Um, So is there a way that you want to share that you do play with your kids?
1: Um, Well, actually, first, before I do that, I'd love to go back to the suggestions in the article because the author doesn't leave it there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, there are times when we play with our kids, but the difference is, is it's when it's anticipated by both parties right the parents join in and the kids are allowed to join in as long as neither party ruins the play and both parties want to be there yes right and sometimes that happens sometimes that magical time happens so (laughs) Um, he suggests three different kinds of play that works really well with this dynamic and one of them is rough and tumble type Mm -hmm. of play so like the chasing games like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm gonna get you and they run screaming through the house and then you start laughing and the author is very quick to say please of course we're always aware of our child's comfort level, level yes, and abilities, yes. right? We have and to stay say up, no, I think we, we have that.
0: to, yeah, give consent, right. the whole consent thing, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> right, like piggyback rides, that type of thing too. Yeah. Um, the other uh, form of playing that he recommends is like the occasional like sandlot style sports mm-hmm. or like just pick up sports that, you know, think picnics where everyone just joins in in a game of softball. Yeah, And I've seen this happen too, like parish picnics and stuff like that with our churches where a game of softball picks up and there are all kinds of ages and all the grown-up players and older players are in kind of this silent agreement about this bending of the rules for the younger kids. Mm-hmm. They'll throw more softly. They'll they'll let them have more time to round the bases, et cetera. But the gameplay still continues as it's supposed to be. So it's not like kids' baseball. It's just you're letting kids join in with us playing baseball. And so that works too. Um, And then the last thing, they do talk about family card and board games, which we spoke about last Mm -hmm. week in our episode, and that those can be a huge um, boon to family fun and intergenerational fun. Uh, when they're age appropriate and or teaming up with younger kids and things like that. So like, we're not saying never play with your kids. Right, exactly. <laughs> we're just saying, yeah, if, if you're not the the sort to really be, you know, we have people saying all the time, I'm not a crafty mom or I don't really enjoy playing with toys or, you know, then, then that is OK for you to be that way. You can drop the guilt. There are other options for you. We're giving
0: you other options. That's right. One of the ways like what you're talking about with um spontaneous play where both parties agree to it. One of the ways my dad would play with us when we were kids is he, all of a sudden the power would go off in the house and we, <laughs> we'd have a moment of panic because it would go completely black and he would wait mm-hmm. until it was dark outside and um he'd be gone, he'd be hiding. And my mom would be all on board at first and she'd be like, ooh, kids, where's your dad? And we'd be like, I don't know. And your heart would be pounding. We'd be looking for my dad. She'd be like, Derek. And it would start out all nice as she's calling from we're looking. Looking through the house. <laughs> my dad would stay completely hidden, not saying a word. And now there is no power, right? You cannot turn on a light. And she'd be like, Derek. Where are you? The kids need to know where you are, and it would just quickly spiral downwards from a mother being like, Derek, get out, where are you? This isn't funny anymore. This is not, and he would just stay hiding until she was worked up, until such a fevered pitch. And we, as kids, it was so frightening and hilarious and amazing. Wow, watching the interplay between my parents. So that's a little playtime tip from the Jones household. I was going to say, this is a great
1: exercise in knowing your own children's stress levels (laughs) before you play games, because (laughs) I would have cried.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was hilarious. That's enough. Derek, get out now. Derek, I'm so mad at you. And that's how we end up. (laughs) But I love it. I look back on that now, and we have not done that to my children yet, but I'm seriously tempted to go through that master power switch off this weekend and terrify my children. (laughs) Um, The one other thing that we do, and I I would believe you would do this too, Michelle, is that Mm -hmm. I want to say that even though I'm super busy during the day doing what I believe to be part of my job, which is cooking for my family, keeping a very clean house, those are to me, again, to me, everybody, important parts of my day. But I want to make it clear, and I've always done this since they were little. If my children call me over to show me something that they have worked on or something that they're Mm. in the middle of, or if they want to talk to me about something, I drop whatever I'm doing in that second, they don't have to ask me twice. And they know that I'm all theirs. Mm -hmm. And I make sure that every part of me, my body language, everything says and communicates to my children without a shadow of a doubt that what they have to say to me or show me is the most important thing to me in that moment, that there is nothing Mm -hmm. else on my mind. You have to train yourself to do that as a parent too. They have to see that I'm not looking back over to the oven or whatever, that they're all, that they belong completely to me in that moment and that I'm all theirs. And so that's that is very, very common in my house too, where I get down right onto their level, look right in the eyes. I'm like, Ooh, show me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that they know throughout the day when mom says go and play and I, and, and you and I joked earlier about when we we're like, that's it. That's it. I'll <laughs> shut that basement door. You're playing for a half hour. Don't you come up here right now that same mom they know i'm there when it's important and they want to show me something and that we are going to sing and be silly and crazy throughout the rest of our day together it is about striking that balance but only you know what that balance is and only you know what you're capable of and what your stress level can handle on each particular day
1: Mm -hmm. so we don't have to be comparing ourselves and feel like we're not up to snuff if we're not striking someone else's balance absolutely yeah figure out your balance and then work it and you and your children will both benefit from it okay it's time for our what we're loving this week segment of the show so lindsay what
0: have you been loving this week I have found another show on that CBC app that I've talked about a few times called Gem, G-E-M, that you can get on your smart TVs. There is a show from England that they have on there that is another version of a series that they have put out in England that I've watched many times. This one is called Back in Time for Tea. So I'm sure you remember me talking about Back in Time for Winter. (laughs) Um, There's Back in Time for Dinner. This one is called Back in Time for Tea. And so... In Northern um, England and in Ireland, um, tea time is, is their dinner time. They just call it, that means dinner. It's not the formal oh. high tea that we think of at like three in the afternoon. When they say, okay. are you going to be home for tea? That's my terrible accent. Um, they mean, <laughs> are you home for dinner? Like that's at their dinner time. So because mm. their dinner is actually at lunch. Anyways, they explain the whole thing in the show. So this features a British family, but they're from the North. That's what they say. They were from the North. They have the best accent I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Jason and I <laughs> have gone around for the last two weeks trying to speak like Northerners, and we can't do it. And it, it just really gets into their regional dishes and it just shows how different the North of England is from the South and how they never mm. really have, I guess a lot of the shows and movies and everything that they grew up with as their British culture is Southern England. And they didn't really mm. have their own lifestyle represented to them. And so this was a chance for that. So it follows this one family that goes back in time, their own house is transformed and to, each year. So they got the house and totally transform it from 1918 to 1990. And you see what the families would have eaten, but it also is a commentary on social history of each period as well. And it's just so well done. This family is adorable. We love them. And I really, really Mm. recommend back in time for tea. Is this are they different families? Yes. For every
1: series? Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, like, that's the dream job. If that's one family. They
0: just, okay, what are we
1: doing this? <laughs> what are we yeah. doing now, guys? And CBC. actually,
0: let me just say, because it's really revel- uh, relevant to our episode, that, um, Every single time it ends, they interview the kids about what they're going to, and you're going to, you'd think watching it that the kids are just dying to get back to their screens and their cell phones and all of the modern conveniences. And every single series I've watched with, with multiple children, the children always say, I'm actually really sad about going back to our regular time because of how much time my parents spent with us. But it wasn't Mm. the parents hands down. This is 1918 and 1930. They were just always together in the kitchen mm-hmm. and they were with their parents as they were doing stuff and so that's what the kids say that they're going to miss most of all mm-hmm.
1: okay I'm gonna oh what should I start with
0: I know so many things <laughs> tea dinner yeah.
1: winter we'll right, start with not the tea. winter no <laughs> not winter
0: <laughs> so what have you been loving this week
1: so I actually had a chance this weekend to finally watch Greta Gerwig's Little Women
0: Mm, the new
1: yes. one that just came out on DVD, yes. starring Saoirse Ronan and uh, Florence Pugh. Now, I have long been a fan of Little Women, and yep. my favorite version is actually the one with Elizabeth Taylor mm-hmm. <laughs> playing Amy March. So it, it's pretty old school, uh, and I am always a little bit afraid of when people try to remake classics in general. Yeah. However, this version, it was. Amazing! It was the perfect mix of sweet and also empowering. Mm-hmm. So you could tell it was made in 2020. <laughs> I mm-hmm. could, anyways. Um, but it was still very sweet. You could empathize with the characters, and they did a really good job of showing emotion in a way that's moving but not over dramatic. Yeah. And at the same time, you could really see uh, that characteristic strength that we've come to recognize and love in the March women. Right. So. That was really cool. I I think my favorite part about this particular adaptation was the dialogue, actually. It was really interestingly written and performed by the actors. It felt almost immersive with conversations overlapping. You'd hear side comments alongside the main conversations. It felt like people were talking over each other, but not in an annoying way. It just felt like you were there with real people. And I just thought that was really cool.
0: Oh, I've never heard. It's. I guess it's kind of like our podcast, but <laughs> people are used to that if they're used to listening to us. But yeah, that's really cool. Exactly. I have been. So mm. like you, I have a favorite one and I've been really hesitant to watch the new one because um, the one that was released in the early 90s, I saw mm-hmm. that one in the theater when it came out and I just absolutely loved that adaptation. And so I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it, but I guess. Do you that, know what? Yeah, it's time. Oh,
1: you know what? I I think it's really interesting how they produced this one, because I feel like they did it in such a way that you're still going to be able to think your favorite is your favorite okay and at the same time really love this one as a new favorite like it, it i'm not going to spoil it but i just thought they really produced it differently enough while at the same time still being true to the story of little women i thought it was great Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at Sachs.
0: And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at
1: lindsayhomemaker thank you so much for listening have a great week and we will see you next time
0: oh my goodness we should honestly do a whole Whoa. outtakes of all the crazy things our parents did <laughs> it's just bonus I think so
1: right oh my gosh it's so funny did I ever tell you my mom's um rhyme or no. her ditty for our hair stuff
0: oh I think so tell me again though
1: Okay, it was, um, she was so frustrated with us leaving our hair stuff around, so Mm -hmm. she would say, when the girls fix their hair, there's no telling where their baubles and bands will appear, on the counters and floors, on the handles of doors, in some places I see them I fear. So I said, that's enough, put away all your stuff when your beauty makeover is through, (laughs) and if you break these rules, then you'll both go to school with the worst bad hair day bad hair do.
0: I love it so much, (laughs) Okay, I got to tell you one rhyme, too. Um, Okay. My grandma grew up in an orphanage, right? And the nuns, Mm. there was this terrifying song (laughs) that the nuns would sing to my nanny, who sang it to my mom, who sang it to us, and I sang it to my children. So it's called the crust song, if you didn't eat all your bread and you left your crust Mm. on the plate. And it goes... Um, Last night I didn't eat up my crust, I poked it under my plate. I thought that no one would find it there, but when it grew dark and late, that grape big crust came creeping up and over my bed. He had two big eyes. And you do this thing with your hands to make your eyes look scary. And he growled and he said, I'm that crust you poked in under your plate. You must never, never do that again. Oh no, oh no, oh no, I won't. If you please get off of my bed. So he huffed and he puffed and he ran away and he didn't come back anymore. And I ate my crust till the very last crumb and he didn't come back anymore. Wow. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's a really (laughs) long way around telling your kids to finish what's on your plan. Yes. yes. Yeah. And wow. So I'd
0: forgotten it, but I sang it last week and then I said um I called my mom on speakerphone and I didn't give her any prompting and the kids were all sitting at the island listening and I went, Mom, what happens if you don't eat up your crust? And she went, Last night out of where the kids were <laughs> howling. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, so cute. <laughs> And my parents used to, oh my gosh, if we were coming home from something and we had both separate cars, um, I wish I could do this, but without driving. So um, we would split off into teams and they would literally race home through different ways to see who can get home fastest. And we would like time it.
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. We used to do stuff like that all the time. So much fun. Like even my mom does with my kids now but um sometimes when she does pick them up from school mm-hmm. they take forever to get home i'm like what are they doing and the kids are just like falling out of the car because they're like grandma kept getting lost oh, I love that. so they would
0: they would be like grandma turn this way and she's like you mean this way and oh she turned the opposite way my dad used to put on like the Polish radio station or whatever was another language and he'd blare it with all the windows <laughs> down and drive slowly through our neighborhood and we would be dying. I'm like, dad, stop it. We're like teenagers. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. My mom did something similar
1: to us too. Oh, oh she God. was driving along Fairway Road. Yeah. <laughs> If we were stopped at a red light, and it yeah. was like if there were like teenage boys or something, yeah, waiting to cross the road, she would roll down the window and blast, like, I don't know, kids' Bible songs. Oh or my gosh, yes. like Raffy or something like that. And yeah. I was stuck, I couldn't, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't go anywhere. Oh my gosh, what is with parents doing that it's to the us? Best. It is.